Section 51 of Anecdotes of Big Cats and Other Beasts. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona. Anecdotes of Big Cats and Other Beasts by David Alec Wilson. Section 51 Charlie Darwin or the Lady Gibbon. Part 5 teasing tom charlie's favorite seat was upon the veranda rail it gave her a wide and beautiful view of the garden and the river and forest to say nothing of the far-off mountains blue her native home for hilo bates who loved is my choice a mountaineer indoors without moving more than her head by merely looking round she could see the drawing-room whereof the veranda was in extension and through wide doorways never closed, a much more interesting dining-room beyond. Dr. Clark, once famous as Gladstone's physician, is said to have been fond of telling how he watched a little girl sitting in front of a fire, to which a footman brought coals. The man took no notice of her till she caught violently, and then he looked round, and a few kind words passed. "'Why did you cough?' asked the doctor when the man had gone. "'To make James look at me,' said the candid child. "'But it is surprising, in a man like Clark, "'that he is said to have quoted this "'as an indication of the inferiority of women. "'If he really did so, "'it was because he had not thought the matter out, "'and was confused by words. "'The difference between men and women is one of a kind, "'not of degree. "'It is not a difference of less or more, but of sex. "'A million women could not make one man.' but neither could a million men make one woman. Now it is true that a normal little boy, sitting where the girl sat, would not have felt an inclination to attract the attention of a maid, mending the fire, and it is true that normal little girls are continually acting as the doctor saw that little one act. The gentle sex spontaneously craves to be noticed by the other. Why? Surely, because they have been specialized in character no less than in physical form for domestic life, and their essential business ever is to study and humor the men, whose function is to feed and protect them and their children. He forgot only, she forgot in him, remains as true as gravitation, even if we fling the Hebrew Bible aside, and give the great reality some other name." that this specialization of sex comes from a far-off date was curiously manifested by our little charlie indeed it was easy to see and easy to verify by observation in the hills that her people lived under social arrangements like the patriarchal family sir henry Maine, if he had known it might have reinforced his argument on ancient law from an antiquity manifested by the habits of these small people compared to which the oldest days of rome were but as yesterday so completely womanly was our pet that many of her doings were conundrums to masculine wits it takes a woman to understand a woman he was a wiser man than usual who said when i say i know women i mean that i know i don't know them perhaps no man could ever have guessed what charlie found amiss with our fine tomcat don't you see Tom takes no notice of her, it was explained. He ignores her existence. Tom's manners were simply perfect Piccadilly. 
If Charlie had been conventional middle-class English, she would have been humbled. If French or German, she might have been amused or angry, according to circumstances. Being as irrepressibly democratic as the Burmans and Mongolians in general, she was simply puzzled, and in playing at Tig or some other game with the other cats, which was a habit of hers, she might often be observed to be watching Tom with a perplexed look, like a kindly teacher taking stock of a backward pupil. Tom never looked at her. One day, as she sat on the veranda rail, she was seen to be intently studying him. He lay motionless, as if asleep, under an easy chair, his tail projecting far. She leapt lightly down to the floor, ran noiselessly along it, as if on tiptoe, and was in the act of reaching forth her hand to the tail, when Tom sprang to attention, and the threatened tail began to swell and sway from side to side in the air. Unabashed, for indeed I never saw her abashed, only frightened, and on this occasion she was not frightened. She gleefully ran round the chair, chasing the tail, with merry cries of, Ooh, 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 ooh. Tom sulkily turned one way and another, keeping his tail out of reach, and visibly perplexed. Charlie enjoyed the game immensely. It lasted a long time, and then Tom lost patience and thrust out his paw, with the claws extended. He could hardly have hoped to touch her. He might as easily have caught a swallow. The claws did not come within five inches of her, but the savage gesture was an outrage to her feelings. She ejaculated what sounded like a squeak, but perhaps should be called a scream, and as he remained callous and far from apologetic, she turned her back upon the clown and resumed her seat upon the rail. Tom, for his part, with a greater air of dignity than usual, if possible, the sacred tail uplifted in violet, that is to say, untouched, stalked grandly away, but he had not gone two yards before Charlie leapt upon the floor again, as noiseless as a shadow, and swift as arrow from a bow, she darted after him and seized the end of his tail between her finger and thumb. She seemed to pinch it, and certainly gave it a sharp tug. And then, like magic, when Tom whirled round, she was sitting on the rail again, making faces at him, and audibly chuckling in the intervals of triumphant hooting, Ooh! 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 He gazed at her a while in bewilderment, and moved away. He went like one that had been stunned, and is of sense forlorn. A sadder and a wiser cat, he rose the morrow morn. End of section 51, recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona.